Welcome to another edition of the Cool Sore Podcast. With a smile on your face, if you hear my voice, say hey. <laughs> hey, guys. Welcome to the show. Uh, today, we are joined by Shereen Nicole, a Cool Sore of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. And uh, in the middle of our interview, um, of course, we uh, we were recording at the, the gathering spot here in Atlanta. And we had ordered lunch. So you may hear us munching a little bit, but respectfully, you won't be grossed out, of course. Uh, But I wanted to give you the heads up on that. We had a great, great, great conversation. But before we get into her amazing episode, I have to let you know that Founders and Pearls is looking for you to go ahead and get your exclusive sorority box. Yes, are you looking for motivational items, unique paraphernalia? Well, foundersandpearls.com has everything you need. And if you input Kusoror during checkout, guess what? Shipping is on us. That's foundersandpearls.com. Also, Green Top Gifts is awaiting your purchase for amazing wrapping paper and also stocking stuffers for the holiday. Yeah, go ahead and check out Clarence Claus, my favorite hoodie, and you'll see Clarence Claus on the amazing wrapping paper at greentopgifts.com. And if you want 10% off of your purchase, make sure you put in cool soror at closeout okay so we are definitely hooking you up this holiday season and right now it's all about Cherie Nicole she's an amazing producer for Sister Circle Live and so many other things including being a collegiate superstar yes she played college basketball okay and here she is with unapologetic impact Enjoy. You know you gotta be a cool soror to talk to the cool soror herself. I'm a cool soror. Hey y'all, I am a cool soror of. What's up, y'all? I'm a cool soror of. Hi, I am a cool soror of. podcast hosted by me Rashawn Ali. Good day everybody hopefully everyone is doing fabulously well. Today we are joined by Sheree Nicole. I'm not even going to say her last name because that's not what she goes by. She goes by Sheree Nicole and Sheree you are a cool soror of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Welcome to the show super producer. Thanks Rashawn Ali. I'm so happy to be here. So excited. So nervous because you know Rashawn Why are you nervous? Rashawn Ali is interviewing me. Oh my god. I've made it. Mom I've made it. I'm so really? Excited. This is so much. <laughs> I hate you. This, this is so insane. This is so insane. Well Sheree is a visionary. She's a creative. I get to work with her every single day on Sister Circle Live as an amazing uh, producer, but she does so much more. We're gonna get into her backstory. And one of the things that we have in common is that we're both collegiate athletes and you went to college on a basketball scholarship, but let's take it all the way back. When did you become so enamored of the sport of basketball? Well, I was eight years old when I started playing. Okay. And growing up, you know, being from Chicago, our family would get together in the living room and uh-huh. watch all the Bulls games. Oh, like, okay. It was yeah. part of like our life. Right. So I would just watch Michael Jordan and just seeing the, the first three championships they won. And I was like, dad, I remember they won the, the championship in 93, I think. And I said, daddy, I want to play basketball. And uh-huh. he's like, what? Yeah. I have music on both sides of my family. So it's really weird that I wanted to play basketball. And he's like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I want to play. So he brought me this little Fisher-Price rim, and I would play on it every day. Mm-hmm. And then from then, he would take me to the park and kind of teach me how to do, like, little stuff. And he was like, yo, 
she's really talented. Yeah. Like she has a knack for athleticism. Right, right. And um, he got me into like little leagues. And at that time, it wasn't a lot of girls leagues. Mm-hmm. And um, he, I would play with the boys at the different park districts and things like that. And it just kind of evolved. And I just started to get better and better and better. And, right. You know, played in high school and um, was an all-area athlete and then got my scholarship to Wisconsin. Yeah. And, you know, took a break. Well, not a, really a break, but, you know, things didn't necessarily work out. In your yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah, so but yeah, that's that's what happens. Chicago Bulls, shout out to uh to Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, um, and just in case you guys are not aware, MJ was the best to ever do it. I don't care what anyone says. Oh, so you don't you don't care if they're this whole LeBron Kobe? Absolutely and- not. Um, Kobe is the closest we're gonna get, but MJ is the best, okay. and not just because he's he you know he's a champion and from an athletic standpoint, but from a cultural standpoint, this man changed the game. Okay, culturally, cool. culturally, how did Michael? I mean, I know, but Come like in on, your man. turn, in in from your perspective, how did he culturally change the game? Well, first of all, I just think it was it was, it was his approach. I yeah. mean, he was a guy that said, "Hey, I'm going to do things my way. I'm mm-hmm. going to wear my shorts long." The, the first of all, I have on Jordans right now. Yes, you okay? do. Understand me? How long has Michael Jordan been out the game? Oh, a long and, time. And, and I mean, everyone still wears Jordans. Exactly. Like, they stand in line. Stand for in line it. for <laughs> right, right. Prime example. But you look at what he did commercially. You look at Space Jam. You look at the Gatorade. Um, ads that he had, what he did with Nike, um, just the way that he, um, for me, he was so in love with the game. He made other people love it too. Yes. And he made everyone around him, him better. And basketball was cool. It yeah. was cool again when Mike came around. So that's why I think that. Yeah. So when you say Kobe is the only one that could like kind of even be in the same breath, um, what is it about Kobe that you think is comparable to a Michael Jordan? If I can say the word comparable because Kobe, his work ethic and Kobe's his way about being a champion. I feel like mimics Mike the closest. Okay. Um, and I used to actually not like that about Kobe and it, I didn't really develop an appreciation for him until he retired. Really? And why? Because I couldn't stand Kobe. And not, not like I couldn't stand him, but I'm just like, I thought he was a copycat for so long. Uh-huh. And then once he like retired and I really started to kind of examine his career and they would do different specials on him and stuff. And I would look, and I said, man, this guy is tenacious. Like yeah. he's a, he's a champion inside. Uh-huh. And, um, I look at what he was able to do with the players around him over the course of his career. And I said, man, this is as good as it's going to get. Right. I don't think we're going to see anybody that comes cl- as close to Mike as Kobe. Yeah. 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 LeBron James. No. Well, I think LeBron James is a different type of player. He is a different type right. of player. So yeah. if, if you, if you look at a player that I think LeBron James is the most versatile player the game probably has ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at that, that two guard spot, um, you know, Kobe, Kobe is the closest that we're going to get to Michael Jordan. Okay, got it. We went off on a tangent, <laughs> yes, but you know, sports talk. I know, you know, we love we love to, to talk a little sports. So, um, throughout your um, learning the game of basketball from the time you were eight and and now you're in high school and you're looking at colleges, uh, what 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 other schools were on your palate as far oh. as you being interested in attending, and vice versa, who was interested in you? Hmm, interesting. Um, I think too when you when you play basketball and in any sport you want to you aim high in your mind you feel like you can go anywhere. Oh, of course. So yeah. you know in high school I want to go to Duke and I want to go to Tennessee and all these big time programs and um, you know you start to understand what kind of player you are and what kind of person you are. And so for me, I didn't. It, it was funny. Like I had these 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 big huge goals, but when it came down to getting recruited, it was more about okay, who wants me? What works for me? Yeah. So. Um, it's fun. Wisconsin was never on my list. Okay. Never. Um, I liked U of I. 
but they didn't really come on to me till late. I kind of okay. peaked pretty late in my in mm-hmm. my college career on the on the club team side. So okay. anybody that plays plays in your high school no, career, you right? Mean, in my yeah, high yeah. Okay. Career. So the recruiting didn't happen really for me on the high school. Like in my high school, it happened outside of my high school on my club teams. Okay. So gotcha. it's a different level of exposure. Yep. Yep. So I liked U of I, um, but they didn't come around too much later. And University of Wisconsin was just super tenacious. So. You know, you had some. I had some mid-major schools looking at me. Nobody really like sticks out though. Yeah. Because once Wisconsin jumped on, I was like, oh, Yeah, Big was, Ten. I'm yeah, going there. Yeah. It was kind of like that. Right. Um, my whole aim was just to go to school, get an athletic scholarship, and go pro. That's all I wanted to do. Yeah. So it wasn't really about you know I'm looking at these particular schools. It's like okay, who wants me? Who's interested? Mm-hmm. And what can I go there? Is it a big school? I did want to go to a big school. Um, I wanted to be kind of close to home. So Wisconsin just made sense for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's not too far from Chicago. No, it was was a four-hour ride on the bus. So I would sneak back all the time. Yeah. The coaches are like, you know, they'll tell you, don't go home. You don't need to to go home. When I tell you I would jump, Rashawn, I jumped on that bus like every other weekend. Yeah. Bye. To go home. I was going to the crib. What was it like for you at Wisconsin? It seemed to be (laughs) that, you know, you had had these dreamy eyes going in and then the situation wasn't like that. When did things start to change and was it just from the athletic standpoint? It was definitely from the athletic standpoint. I've always been, I guess you could say, a smart kid. So school school didn't never came. um, It it always came pretty easy to me. But I will say, um, and, and it's funny. When I was getting recruited to go to Wisconsin, I went on a visit with a couple of my other teammates they were recruiting with my club coach. Mm-hmm. And we had a meeting with the coaches. And he was asking them all these questions about diversity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, why is he asking him about, you know, student student racial population and what do they do for, for black student athletes? And yeah. what is it? I was like, who cares? Like, they have a Powerade machine in the locker room. <laughs> like, I don't care about but this You weren't guy. understanding I'm what I'm 17 was, years yeah, old. So like, I, wasn't, I didn't get it. But by the time I was a sophomore, I understood what he was coming Yeah, you're like, that's what he was talking about. I just, you know, I was in a situation where I was getting some playing time. I was averaging about 15 minutes a game my sophomore year. Um, But I was, it was, it was a pretty political situation. But at the end of the day, I don't believe that I was in in an arena where that was conducive to my growth as a black woman. Okay. And that, when that light bulb clicked, I said, I have to go. I'll never be happy. It doesn't matter if I start here. Yeah. There'll never be a real understanding of who I am as a person. Um, And sometimes when you're in situations like that, there are stereotypical viewpoints about who you are. Mm -hmm. And you kind of get bunched in with other people. Mm. And I was just a different type of kid. And I don't think they understood that. Right. Nor really wanted to understand. Yeah. You want to, okay, get it. you're either in the boat or you're not. Right. It's our boat. We don't care about, no, you're going to do it our way you, or that's it. And I was just, I was, I was special. And I think that was the first time in my life I kind of realized I'm not better than anyone, but I'm special. I'm different. And I yeah. need to be somewhere where that's actually embraced. Okay. So that's why I left. And you left and you went to Northern Illinois. Yes. Yes. And yes. so- did you contact the coach? Did he know? Because you play ball there mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you contact contact the coach? Did they know you were coming? Like, how did that work out? Northern um, recruited me very hard. Okay. In high school. In high school. Okay. So, so they, you were always on their radar. Right. So yeah. I played. we played against Northwestern when I was still at Wisconsin, and I didn't play at all. And my club coach called me, and he was like, this is weird. Do you want to leave? And mm-hmm. I was like, huh, interesting you say that. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm ready to go. So – he made some. He reached out to some folks, and Northern was one of the one of the schools. And they said, 
absolutely. We wanted her, you know, since she was in high school. So I met with a coach, Carol Owens, who is now one of the lead assistant coaches at Notre Dame. Okay. Successful program over there. And um, black woman. Yeah. And I met her and I'm like, wow, like you're an example of who I want to be like. Right, right, you right. Know? And she was very soft spoken, but very stern, um, knew the game, very passionate about basketball, very empathetic, very compassionate. And I said, man. This makes sense for me, mm -hmm. not just because she was a black woman, but there was a level of comfortability I felt with her. I felt at ease and I felt safe. Yeah. And when I was at Wisconsin, by the time I was in my sophomore year, I didn't feel safe. I was mm -hmm. actually very depressed. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of how that happened. And then, you know, you transfer schools and, you know, they, they offer you another scholarship. So that's basically what happened. Yeah. And then I finished my career. OK. Career there. Yeah. Good. Did you grow there as an athlete? I did. I think um, for once I got to play my game. And anybody that's an athlete knows when you're in a situation where you're not, where you can't play your game, it's demoralizing. Like nothing else in your life matters. Yeah. Like I'm getting good grades at Wisconsin. Didn't matter. I wasn't being able to play my game. So right. I got there, you know, I think I grew as a, as a, as an athlete in terms of just being able to, to spread my wings and be versatile and really play to my strengths. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I wasn't playing catch up. Like I was just allowed to play the game. Right. So that was fun. So you appreciated that. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. So during this time you, were like trying to figure out what your next was going to yeah, be. Yeah. Um, and somehow you ended up going to get your <laughs> master's at just, oh, a little, little piece of Northwestern, you know, just it's a world-renowned journalism oh, program. Rashawn, Rashawn, it really Rashawn. is. It really is. And it sounds so cool. Rashawn. Right, right. And so you have to take us through the story of like how that even got to the point where you were able to um, get into the school and all of that good stuff. So the thing is too, I think um, people, when you're, when we're younger, we have this, we envision this life that we want for ourselves and we think, okay, I'm a star athlete. I'm going to play professionally. I'm yes. going to make all this money. Life's going to be great. And that's what I'm going to do. And really, you know, even going back to Wisconsin, I realized basketball isn't the only thing that I can do. Right. And so what led me to Northwestern really was what happened to me at Wisconsin first. I had a meeting with the academic advisor and for some stupid reason, I wanted to go into business management. Mm -hmm. I hate math, Rashawn. It's oh, you very, too? It's actually very dumb. I hate math. I hate econ. I barely pass accounting. Oh my God. We're the same people. I'm trying to be in a business school and I'm having the worst time. And so I had a meeting with my academic advisor and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I need a three seven to get into the business school. Like what? I'm, I'm going to fail. And she's like, Sheree, why do you want to go into business? I was like, I don't really know. I just think that I should, you know, right. it's fun. Just, right. You think about business, you think about money. Right. So she said, well, she said, look at your ACT scores. She's like, your reading and your writing is off the charts. Why don't you, why don't you go into something that's more playing towards your strength? What about journalism? Wow. I said, oh, okay, I guess. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, you know, I'm not thinking TV at the time, although I've loved TV since I was a little child. I'm like, journalism, oh, I can write. I can, right. get, I can get easy A's. That's real fun. So I that's said, what okay. in your mind. You were yeah, like, oh, little, little piece of journalism. Right. That's easy grades. Let me, let me change my major. So I changed my major before I transferred. Mm -hmm. Took some journalism classes and loved them. Got to, not, got to Northern, and um, I, met, I had another academic advisor there. He said, okay, Cherie, journalism. He said, do you want to, if you had a choice, would you do things, some journalism as far as like TV, in front or behind the camera? Or would you do writing? And I said, I want to do something. Let me get on the TV side. That yeah. sounds fun. Yeah. He said, okay. <laughs> so I started then my major switch to communications and media studies was my concentration. And then I minored in journalism. And so did well in all my classes, 
got to you know the end of the road in my basketball career decided hey this isn't you know i my knees hurt my body was hurting rashawn yeah i was just tired yeah and i realized like there was more to life than than basketball it had taken me as far as it was going to take yeah so yeah. the WNBA dream just kind of, you were like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, and I was okay with that. And I, and I saw players, you know, I thought about playing overseas. And I'm like, no, I don't want that life. I don't want to be away from my family and my friends and trying to learn new languages. And it just was not for me. So I was at peace with, this is it. I'm not mm-hmm. playing after after I finish college. This is it. And so a couple of weeks out from graduating, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And um, I connected with a teacher of mine who, you know, he had a night class and it was the first black studies course I had ever taken in college. Right. And I was really intent. I was like, I'm going to take a black studies course. You know, I haven't taken one since I've been right. in college. It's actually blasphemous. Right. So I took this night class and, you know, and I barely, you know, I was, I was doing well. I was getting good grades in mm-hmm. it or whatever, but I was just kind of chilling in the class. I was halfway tired because I was coming from practice every right, day. Right, right. Whatever. So, you know, I, I met with him and he said, Cherie, what do you want to, this was like a random meeting, Rashawn. I don't even know how, how this happened. And I met with him and he said, Cherie, he said, what do you want to do? What are you going to do? And the graduation is like two weeks away. I said, I don't know. I was like, I don't feel prepared to like jump into the workforce. I right, want to right. work in TV, but I don't feel like I have enough to really go into it and, and be in a position that I want to be in. And um, I said, I'm thinking about law school and I'm still not sure. He said, well, I'm going to send you some information. I'm going to email you some stuff and you just follow all the steps that I tell you. And then we'll go from there. So in retrospect, did you see, obviously he saw something in you yeah. that you didn't see in yourself. Absolutely. And I tell him this all the time. His name is uh, Dr. Todd Yeary. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, again, I didn't see, I didn't even see Northwestern, you know, and I was a smart kid, you know, it's not like I'm, I just was not securing myself in that way to be able to say, Hey, I can go and apply for a program that is uber prestigious that most people wouldn't even be able to walk in the door. You know, I'm not even right. thinking that way. So he sends me the information from Medill at Northwestern, and I'm still like, okay, I know what, what Northwestern is. But right, right. I didn't know Medill was Medill. I right. wasn't even thinking like that. And I just filled out the papers and did a little application. Little piece of application. Little piece of application, <laughs> you know. I got my recommendations. It just so happened he had, a, he had a PhD, I believe, from Northwestern. Oh. And then my other academic advisor had a PhD from Northwestern. Oh. And so they wrote my letters of recommendation. Oh, and yeah. And my you, coach wrote my letter of recommendation. You had to get in. And then um, I was like, okay, I got to take the GRE. So I went to my academic advisor. I said, I said, um, Dr. Daughterline, I have to take the GRE. What do I do? Do I study? And he's like, oh, no, you're smart. Just go take it. <laughs> So I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to go take the little piece of GRE. Let me go over there and take this test. <laughs> I went to the test, and it was hard. It was. Oh, I hate it. The GRE I is a oh, disaster. It's the worst. Rashawn. No, you, I, I did it. That's why I never made it to grad school. It was that bad. <laughs> it's horrible. Oh, I know. It's horrible. So I did just well enough, I think, to be all right. And I, I did my entrance, entrance interview. I actually went and physically went to the school and talked to them and all that stuff. And I was like, okay, we'll see what happens. I got in. I'm still not getting it. I'm still not understanding what Medill really is. And so people were like, okay, Cherie, you know, you graduated. What's next? I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to Medill. They're like, huh? Oh, my God, this is so great. I'm like, girl, it's just grad school. Relax. But I did not understand. When did you get that it was Medill? When I went to the, <laughs> when it was time for school to start. You were like, oh, this and is And I went big- to the orientation, and I'm sitting in this room with all these smart kids. And you mm-hmm. start finding out what schools they went to. Ivy, yeah. Everybody's going to Ivy League schools. And it's not a lot of, you know, brown kids there. Right. Um, and no shade, but that's the reality. And they start talking about the school. You learn about the history of the school. You learn about the different journalists and people who have gone through the program. And I'm like, oh, my God. 
what did I just get myself into? Right, right. And then they were like, yeah. You know, it's very intensive. It's only 11 months. It's only 11 months? Yeah. You give up your whole life for 11 months. It's like nine to five. You have classes and then you probably have to go out and do stories and stuff like that. And so I was like, whoa, like, this is like a big deal. This yeah. is insane. So, yeah, that's when I realized, Rashawn. But the whole time I'm just thinking, oh, I'm just going to go to school. I'm was it go. hard for you, the, the, the program? It was, it was, it was hard, but let me, it wasn't hard. Like, oh my God, the schoolwork is so, so hard. Now, mind you, there were classes I had a meet that had a, um, a media law class that almost took me out. Right. <laughs> okay. It really jammed me up. Um, but that <laughs> so much for a, law school dude, that, that you were thinking about. Up. But this is the thing. I still love law. Like I, if oh, I go okay. to law school right now, I would go. Right. But like, like that media law class was a beast, but, um, it was tough, but it was tough because you just had to. There, it really taught you how to function in excellence and understanding that when it comes to journalism, there's lo- there's no room for error because you're educating the masses. You're disseminating information that's going to dictate to people how to live their lives, right. what they should know, how they should go, things like that. So we had something called a Medill F. And like everybody gets a Medill F at some point. So it's basically like I had a class and my teacher, Steve Garnett, love him. He's amazing. He's still at Northwestern. Um, we had to, he would give us scenarios and he'd say, okay, um, there was a crime that happened down the street. The burglary happened at this gas station at this time. The assailant was driving in this car and then he would tell us his stories and we'd have to write a news story about it. So one day he gave us a scenario. I wrote the story. I got the model of the car wrong. I think I said it was a 94 or something. Ooh. It was 95 and I got an F. It's a Medill F. It's a Medill F. So it's those type of things where you learn, and, and I think it just reared me for the how standard, I am now. That's the standard is oh, so it's all making sense. Is so guys, high. guys, may I please tell you, she's Don't believe so it. anal. <laughs> I thought I was bad. I get it now. Medill ruined me, everybody. No, it made you. It made you what she <laughs> yes. considers herself, when which she is a dope ass producer, it, it'll, and it'll so much you. more. Yeah. Wow. So that's that's where that comes from. So you leave there <laughs> after 11 months yeah. and then you're like, okay, but I mean, with that mm-hmm. Medill masters, yeah. you could pretty much go anywhere. Mm-hmm. What'd you do? Well, it was interesting. Um, I stayed in Chicago. I was very fearful still. Um, and I was probably about, I think I was like 23. Yeah, I was that's afraid. Nice and young. I did not want to, I didn't want to leave Chicago. I didn't want to leave the comfortability of home. And um, I had asked, I wanted to be on air. And all my training really was reporting, even at Northern, doing newscasts, reporting, all that kind of stuff. And um, I remember teachers telling me, well, if you're going to do on air, you can do it, but you're going to have to move and you probably won't make much money at first and you probably have to do news. And I was like, hell no, hell no, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) I ain't doing none of that. I was like, and they were like, well, you know, if you go the producing route, you can probably stay here in Chicago. You'll make more money faster and I was like okay I'm gonna do producing and I'm gonna try to find a way to get on camera I'll figure that whole thing out now at that time it wasn't a lot of people doing that we live in a different time now but right back then it was like if you're a producer you're a producer you can forget that's it on camera. yeah yeah, like, yeah. there's can... no transitioning so people were telling me are oh, you crazy girl you you, you sure you want to do this I said yeah so I stayed in Chicago and um I, I think it was one of the best decisions I ever made but also one of the worst because it's just I should have stretched mm-hmm. I should have really taking that fear and use it as a platform to really go after what I really wanted to do. Right. Um, but got to, uh, I got a job about a month later, a month after graduating at towers productions and, um, as an associate producer. 
and uh, worked on Find Our Missing for TV One for a couple years, a couple seasons, and then worked on Mobsters for the Biography Channel, and um, you know, had a good experience, learned a lot, grew up a whole bunch, and then um, you know how it goes in the freelance world, they ran out of shows. Yeah. So everybody was like, peace out. Right. Layoff time. And I was like, man, what the hell am I going to do? And um, so everybody got laid off. And I said, you know, I want to go to California. Like, I want to I want to move. I want to I want to just take a jump. Like, right. it wasn't working and moved out to California and lived with my sister and my brother-in-law. Thank God for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, I'm going to try to figure it out. And nothing really popped off for me there. But it gave me a glimpse of what I believe I'll have at some point. Love California, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up as a personal assistant for like maybe like four months, four or five months. Oh, just um, Mike exciting. and Jackie Love. So Mike Love with the Beach Boys. Oh, really? Yeah, man. What? Yeah, this is just random. I have to, like a random life. Yeah, good good times. They're amazing people. Amazing people. And I was actually getting used to the job. Now, mind you, I'm not able to be creative. So, you know, as a creative, you're like, ah, I'm going crazy. Right. I'm going stir crazy, but I'm making, making pretty good money. You know, I'm around people who, you know, live well. So I had access to really cool things and opportunities. And, um, I got a random call about four and a half months into the job from a showrunner who was also one of my mentors that I worked with at Towers. And she called me and she said, Hey, Sheree, I just want to see how happy you are in California. I said, well, I'm okay. You know, I'm just working as an assistant. I'm not on TV. And she said, well, she said, you want to you want to work in TV again? Yeah. I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, well, you know, I, I just jumped on. I'm the executive producer for a new show on TV One. It's coming out. It's Roland Martin's going to be the host. News One Now. And I'm like, okay. So she's like, you're gonna, she's like, I want you on my team. So we did the interview. And wow. You know, I moved within a couple of weeks. I moved everything from California all the way to D.C. Mm-hmm. No family in D.C., no friends, you know, nothing. Just I knew when I got off the phone with her, I cannot pass this opportunity. Up right. Because I knew working for that show and working with Roland was going to change my life. Yeah. I knew it. Yeah. And so it did. And it I did. And I started with the show, and I was there for almost four years. Yeah. yeah. How did it change your life for the better? It for Again, I, I go through these phases. I've gone through these phases, whether it's through athletics or professionally, where I just had to grow up. Yeah. Um, and working with working with that show, it taught me leadership. It taught me how to serve. It taught me um, how to be how to really take advantage of the versatility that I had. I didn't realize how versatile I was until I got there. Right. Because when you're with a new show, sometimes your resources are a little bit more limited. You really have to go ob- above oh, and beyond. We know all about it. <laughs> <laughs> and so it taught me how to be creative in arenas where on the surface it doesn't look like there's room to do that. Okay. And um, for that, I am very thankful. And just it gave me exposure to so many cool places and, and people and people yeah I, mean, I did i've done interviews with people i would have only dreamed about yeah um up until that point and it really seasoned me as an interviewer mm. i think that was the biggest thing it gave me and and with that it gave me a confidence i didn't have mm-hmm. and so you can take that and go anywhere with yes that. you can so i am i am so grateful to to donna wilson who was the who was the person that reached out to me one of my mentors at the time who who was a catalyst for that job and then, you know, Roland Martin and all the staff there, Susan Henry, who's a current executive producer, were just allowing me an opportunity to grow into myself as a person and a right. professional. Right, right. And I'm sure there was a point where you're like, okay, I'm feeling stagnant. And yeah, you said, absolutely. I have to walk out, mm-hmm. step out on faith. Yeah, And absolutely. you did that. And I would say, too, like, 
anybody that's listening understand like you're gonna hit a point in in life where you like you said you hit a ceiling yeah it's nothing wrong with that it's nothing wrong with it but also you have to tie up the loose ends you have to leave on the right note yes and so i made sure i had the meetings i needed to have Mm -hmm. i made sure i wrote the emails and letters i needed to write you want because the business is so small very (laughs) so if you're in a position where it's time for you to go that's cool and that's respectable but go and leave on the right terms because you're going to see people again. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, it's time for me to go. Let me have the conversation I need to have. I left with no job because I knew it was time to go. Yeah. I didn't have any peace anymore. Yeah. And, and peace is everything. Rashawn. As my, as one of my mentors and great friends, Sherry Riley, it is, she actually trademarked this. Peace is the new success. It is. It's worth it, more than a paycheck. It is. I get, I know all about it. <laughs> I've lived in the getting paid a whole lot of money here falling out though. You know what I mean? Yeah, like just yeah. not having any peace about anything. We'll be right back with more of this episode of the Cool Sore Podcast after I encourage you to log on to greentopgifts.com because I just need for you to be ready for the holidays. What better way than to come downstairs, walk down the hall, wherever your Christmas tree is, and to see some amazing gifts wrapped in amazing new wrapping paper. I love Clarence Claus. Clarence Claus is absolutely somebody who looks like my grandpa or your grandpa. And it just puts a smile on your face. It just makes you feel happy. Not only do Green Top Gifts have everything for your wrapping paper needs, but they also have amazing stocking stuffers and stickers that feature Clarence Claus. He's a beautiful, jolly old man with a chocolate complexion, a white beard, and red suit. And I've got the special offer just for you, greentopgifts.com. And all you have to do is put in the code COOLSOROR and you will receive 10% off of your purchase. Green Top Gifts com. That is the place for you to go for all of your wrapping paper and gifts for the holiday season. Tell Clarence Claus, I said, what's happening? I love Clarence. He's so cute. Greentopgifts.com. Coolsora is your code for 10% off. Now back to the show. So you leave yeah. and what, where were, were you still in DC when you left the job? Um, Not for long because I, I actually, I organized it so I would resign when my lease was up. Oh, so okay. I didn't have those type of those problems, so I, I moved back home. Um, and in the, in the interim, I was also working for um, the Rock Newman show. Okay. So on the back end of my time in News One Now, I was also freelancing for Rock Newman. Okay. Let me tell y'all, Rock Newman. If you're listening, look him up. He's a legend in the boxing world. He's one of the most amazing people I've ever met in my entire life. Love him to death. Um, so when I left, finally left DC, I left his show and I left News One Now, and um, I went back home to Chicago, back with mom and dad. So here's the other lesson. You know, when you make a decision, you step out of faith, you're, you're going to have opportunities where your pride is going to, oh, you got to go out the door and have to go bye-bye. Yeah. So I, I moved back home and I'm so glad I did it th- that way. And I'll tell you why I did not realize how much I was not present with people until I left my job. Hmm. I was having, you know, you get to points when you're unhappy, where you start to complain a lot Yeah. and you start to make your conversations all about the complaint and all about Ooh, the things yeah. that are ailing you. Yeah. And you're not sitting enjoying the people you're with and the person you're talking to and you're not engaging in conversations that are really substantive and have nothing to do with your with your agony. Right. And so I had to get to I, I sat I said, man, I'm out with my family and we're talking like regular. And I'm not thinking about being unhappy. I'm not thinking about the things that are bothering me. I'm just present with them in the moment. And that whole two months that I was at home or whatever long about a month and a half, two months, I learned. It's so important, Rashawn, 
that we be present with the people we love. Oh man. It's so, and so many of us don't do it. And it doesn't mean that all the time I was just having conversations that weren't um, conducive to my growth or were not about, first of all, I was selfish. I was making all the conversations about me and what was mm. bothering me. And then if I'm not talking about it, I'm thinking about it. So I'm still not present because I'm not, I'm not engaged with you. I'm not thinking about what we're talking about. I'm talking to you, but thinking about what's bothering me, how I'm going to fix this and why did this do this way? And so that was the biggest lesson I learned being at home. And I was home for, like I said, less than two months and here comes sister circle. Wow. But had I stayed where I was, I could still be where I was now. Yeah. And be unhappy. And mm-hmm. that would be on me. That's on nobody else. That's on you. That's on me. That's right. Because nobody controls you. you it's, no. it's, happiness is something you decide on ahead of time. Yep. It is. Yep. And if you want to, you can say all day long, I'm unhappy. I want to change this. Then you have to be the person to change it. You can pray to your blue in the face, but God's not going to come down and pick you up out your chair at work and take you to your next job. Yeah. You to show him that you're ready and you're oh. willing. Oh. And so that's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. So you get down to the ATL. Down to the sister circle. Down to the sister circle. And we've been doing, go ahead, take a sip of your lemonade. Yo. You've been you've been talking. Yes. Um, we down to the uh, gathering spot right now. We have food waiting on us. So if y'all heard me <laughs> do that, I had to just take a little piece of my. y'all, Rashawn eats like a man. Let's just I be I really honest. do. And it's so funny. She's trying to <laughs> keep insane. her face. Her <laughs> Very She's trying good. to keep a straight face. I know you want to bite that lamb chop. Yes, it's lamb so chop. good. <laughs> it's too good. Y'all. It really is. <laughs> so we um, have been having a really, really good time uh, on Sister Circle, and uh, we all we have an, a, an amazing production team, and Sharif done some just incredible work Thanks, with us and for us. Um, but I know you come to work, and I know that your dream is to be in front of the camera eventually, like full time. What are you doing now to prepare you for that moment when you have, when you get the call or you take it upon yourself to go ahead and walk that particular path? I am intently studying you and Selena and Quad Mm -hmm. and Kiana. I'm on, I'm here for a very, very specific purpose. Yeah. It's to learn. Like how, you can't say if I, if my prayer was Lord, put me in a position to, to get to my goal. Yeah. Put me in a position where the purpose you've planted on the inside of me is cultivated. Mm-hmm. This is that. Mm-hmm. If I want to be on camera, if I want to have my own show one day, whether that's on the production side in front of the camera, whatever, he put me in a position to, to see it modeled in front of me. Yeah. Therefore I have no excuse. Right. So I study you guys. I throw my heart and soul into producing you really because do. I still love it. Yeah. I'm a storyteller. So it's not like, oh, I want to be on camera one day and completely abandon producing. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. I want them to be hand in hand because it's now, now on a, on the um, cultural side, what we see in media is a lot of people are doing those same things. Yeah. It's not something that's rare. So I study you guys very hard. I give sister circle all I have and I have fun. Yeah. I haven't had fun in a long time. And so to be able to come to work, enjoy the people I'm around, have fun with the work that I'm doing. Be able to be creative. Thank you, Helen Swenson, who is our the, the creator of our show, executive producer. Deborah Raptus, who's a supervising producer. All the amazing producers that we have on our team that really let me be me. Yeah. As I'm talking in the office as a person, bouncing around, laughing, telling jokes. She's crazy. And, <laughs> She's insane. It takes one to know one. Yeah, boom. Yeah, and I will leave much. it at that, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen. Um, and then also creatively, just yeah. letting me letting me loose. 
And that's such a gift. And you don't get that everywhere. Yeah. And so I'm grateful for where I am. And, you know, I'm going to put in, obviously, continue to put the work in. And I know God will continue to lead me where I'm supposed to go. Absolutely. Speaking of leading you where you were supposed to go, in 2008, you mm. made the decision to become a member oh, of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Yeah. Yes. Through the Ada Delta chapter. Yes. Now, did Zeta Phi Beta choose you or did you choose Zeta Phi Beta? Mm. Um. Hmm. I think it chose me. Really? Um, I but it was funny. I always wanted to be it was weird because I was never kind of that. I was kind of like the tomboy, you know how yeah, I was. Yeah, I get it. Um, <laughs> in, in case you guys are wondering, me and Rashawn are kind of like the same person. Yeah, we are like, we're very similar. Rashawn is goals for me, everybody. He's goals <laughs> for me. So <clears throat> I always wanted to kind of be in a sorority, which is weird. It just, you know, people think of sororities as oh, little girls, prissy girls around mm-hmm. campus, whatever. I was never that type of girl, but I always wanted to be in a position where I was living outside of the box that I was in. Right. You're an athlete. You all, you know, is athletes. You live in this bubble. And I said, man, there's so much more to life. There's so much more to college life. I want to do something different. I want to get to know people that have nothing to do with athletics. Yes. And so I was like, you know, uh, AKAs, that's not really my speed. No shade, Rashawn. It's fine, babe. Totally fine. You know, that's not really me. I always wanted to be a Delta. Uh Weird. And, um, you know, I just, I just didn't vibe really with them on, on the campus at NIU. They weren't mean or anything. I just didn't feel a connection to them. Okay. And I saw the Zetas and they were instantly like just very welcoming, very nice. Just, I saw the presence they had on campus. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, huh. <laughs> I like them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I can be myself around them. And, um, again, I just, there's a resistance sometimes you have when you're an athlete where you just, you feel like you, you kind of you're already you've already arrived mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah you know you don't need anybody else or anything else and zeta chose me because it showed me that there was a part of me that was missing that I hadn't tapped into yet. right and that was just being me like being yeah. a regular old me not being somebody that was attached to a uniform or a, a basketball but just being sheree and so that's why i say that and just you know i have two sisters you know we're super close i come from a really close family so for me it wasn't oh you know, I really, I need to feel a connection to sisters and, you know, that sisterhood is a great concept. But for me, it was like, I just want to connect with real people. Yeah. You know, that we don't have similar interests, but we have this in common. Yeah. And, and the love that for this and the love that we have for each other. And so that's why I think things Ada show, chose me and shout out to Ada Delta who, you know, I love my sorors and yeah. all, my, all my sorors out there. But I mean. Zeta changed my life. Really? That's human, beautiful. It humanized me. Okay. If you just walk around as an athlete, you have a mask on all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it show, it opened me up. I'm not the most emotional person. We talk about this. Right. It put me in a position where I had to be really honest with myself about some things. And vulnerable. Yeah, and vulnerable. In like, what way? I just had to, t- I just had to tell my story. I had to, I, I didn't, I couldn't be resistant to being emotional. I couldn't be resistant to like. You know, I hold a lot of stuff to, to, to the chest. I don't tell a lot of people a lot of things, intimate things about me. Um, and it don't even be that deep, Rashawn. But, right. you know, for me, it's like, <laughs> I'm like what is if it? I'm telling you anything, then I'm then I'm being vulnerable. But yeah. um, it just caught, and I had to trust. And when you're a perfectionist, and when you, like, I, I'm, I'm a control freak, and that I, I, anytime that I can get a, get a situation to curtail the way I want it to, to get the consequence I want, Mm-hmm. I'm, in good, I'm in good shape. So I'm not manipulative in a malicious way, but I like to control consequences as much as possible. Oh, I've seen it when, so. the, con- when the consequence <laughs> does not come out on in your favor. So I'm in a position where I'm not in control like that anymore. And, you know, being a Zeta and, and, and going through 
you know, my process and, and just being in an environment, an environment with women who, again, have nothing to do with sports. It made me have to realize, Sheree, you got to relax. Yeah. And life is what it is. You got to let it come to you. You got to be present with stuff and you can't be afraid to trust people. You cannot be afraid to trust people. And it's weird. You know, you play on, I played a team sport. I had to trust my teammates. Of course you did. But outside of sports, I've struggled with trust. Mm. Whether it was me telling you something and me trusting that you would take what I was telling Why? you. Why? Why do you struggle with trust? I don't, I don't know. I, have, I, I just think it's a control thing. Because I can, if I don't tell you something, then I can control the fact that you won't, ab- you won't abandon me or you won't take what I tell you and taint it. You won't, th- th- there's nothing negative that can come out of me not telling you. Mm-hmm. So I just keep it to myself. But in that instance, I had to share. Everybody else was sharing. Yeah. That's part, that's part of it. You have a sisterhood. You have to share. You share with your sisters. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the same concept. Right. So it, it taught me, it taught me to trust. And I still struggle a little bit. Yeah. But, you know. You must have had a, sh- uh, uh, a small line because you were number two. Hey, man. It, was, it was a strong four. Okay. Strong four. I we love were it. a strong four. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm tell y'all that right now. Though. I love it. I love it. I love it. So what is your, your end all be, not end all be all, but in a perfect world, I know you're doing what you love every day with us. Yes. I understand that. Oh, by the way, these mashed potatoes I'm eating, guys, they're really. Are they good? Hey, the waitress because the, the server the server tried to say that you weren't you hey, wouldn't man, like them. She's a fraud. These these, <laughs> these potatoes are amazing, and so are these lamb chops. Go ahead, Rashawn. Well, look, Rashawn's stuff in her mouth, y'all. She can't even talk to me no more. She got a mouthful of onions. <laughs> What's the end all be all for you, so, Back ma'am? To deep talk. Um, end all be all. I want like. What's your to- dream for yourself? I want to have my own show. Nice. I want to host my own show. And I want to, I want to, as a producer, I want to EP projects. I want to continue. I want to push out like shows and EP like different shows. And the basic thing for me is to humanize as many people as possible and tell as many stories as possible. That's what I ultimately want to do. Yes. And there's so much room to do that now. Tell me about it. Digital. You look at what's happening with the Ava DuVernay's of the world, what Oprah's doing on OWN. Um, all these content creators that are black women that are doing some great things. Um, but for me, it's about impact. Yeah. I want to change the way people, people think about and see television period. And I want black girls to really have, I want to show them a tangible example of what dreaming can do. That's what I want to do. That's how I feel every day when I walk out on the set and you do that for me. Look at that. Thank you. Oh man. Really? Mushy, mushy, mushy time. (laughs) Yes, girl, you are something crazy. That's 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 me, y'all. Rashawn about to cry. You want no, to I'm not. You? I'm not gonna cry. Promise she, you, I'm not she gonna cry. Good eyelashes on. So I she, sure she do. I'm still to. cute. It's coming though. It's coming. No, I'm not. No, it's all good. What is your definition of cool? Ooh, um, my definition of cool. Hmm. Unapologetic impact. Mm. I like that unapologetic impact because this is the thing everybody's not going to understand your method but you want them to understand your message Ooh, so that's really good write that one down everybody. i did yeah write that down yeah like i turned the corner gave you some deep talk i love deep talk write that down, everybody. but they're, they're just not gonna understand i mean especially when you know you as a creative there's a way that we express ourselves that some people, it might be, some people might not like it, 
But if the work that you're doing, it makes sense. And the messaging is impactful. That doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. So do you guys, whatever, do that, you. whatever that is. And yeah. if, if you have a unique personality, embrace it. Yeah. And understand everybody's not going to understand it. And on this dream journey. And it's not for everybody. Who? <laughs> you cannot give <laughs> zero. Hey I'm still working on that. Yeah. I'm it's still com- working it, on that. It comes with time. We did that uh, actually on the show today about your aha moment. And mm-hmm. mine was when I stopped caring what other people thought. Mm. That's when everything changed for me. Literally changed my entire life. When I was like, I don't care what you think. I'm so cool with who I am. You're dope, though. No, but so are you. Like in real life. No, but and so are you in real life. <laughs> Thank you. Just, just <laughs> passing it all, all along. After you finish eating your lamb chop, please let oh, us know chop. how people can find you and support you. You're very active on social media, which Damn. I really, really enjoy. She loves picture taking, storytelling, hosting. I mean, you do so much. Um, and I just can't wait to see. I can't wait for other people people to see what I see on a daily basis not just from the production side but just really seeing your personality so with that as you eat your asparagus you're welcome um how can people find you socially okay so twitter and instagram it's the same s-h-a-r-i underscore n-y-c-o-l-e and then on facebook it's sheree nicole s-h-a-r-i n-y-c-o-l-e Nice. And then my website will be relaunched top of the year. Sharinacole.com. Boom. S H A R I N Y. N Y. I said N Y. I'm just letting them know. I'm reinforcing them. Oh, look at See, she's so bossy. N Y, everybody. N Y C O L E. Well, this has been very enjoyable. Did I pass the test? You passed the test. And it was so it was so entertaining. Really? Yeah. You're funny as hell. I said hell on my podcast. I usually don't curse. I said hell three times. Oh yes, you God. did. My mama going to get me. No, she's not. I'm sorry, mom. No. See, cause I love that you're so close to your family. I'm very close to my family as well. So I, I, I love to hear you talk about your sister and your nephew, your niece. It's just awesome. Your dad, your mom. I feel, like I, I feel like I talk, I feel like I've talked to your mom on the phone. I hear so much about her. It takes a village. Absolutely. I'm, I have to say this. I'm so blessed. And sometimes I sit and I'm, I'm just completely in awe of the family God placed me in. Yeah. I, I have so much support and I know that everybody doesn't have that. Yeah. So I'm so grateful for my parents to have been married. I'm 31, what, 32 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my uncle Curtis, I talk about him all the time. You know that. I mean, I have uncles, aunties, my sisters, you know, like you said, nieces, nephews. I'm just so supported cousins and I'm just grateful. You can just tell people Mentors. who come from a situation where they've been well loved their entire lives. Oh, I yeah. knew that almost instantly with you. You think really? Oh yeah. Well, well love recognize well love. I've been, How did you know? This is something about the interview with Sean. Well, because Ali. because I'm well loved, and so I recognize it. You know what I mean? It's kind of like when I don't know. You just kind of know people who have um, similar upbringings mm-hmm. than you that that uh, you know as you did, and so I did that. from the moment I met you, I was like, mm-hmm, she from good stock. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Lord has been good to yes, me. Yes, she is from good stock. Can't you tell? Lots of personality. As she's, I mean, she is killing this lamb chop. Let me chop. tell y'all something. I only ate one lamb chop <laughs> and a piece of a, a little piece of school teacher of a mashed potato. Okay, and one asparagus stem. Rashawn, on the other hand, <laughs> has eaten all of my all of her soup. food is gone. 
You would have never known. And she interviewed me. So you tell me. (laughs) You tell me who needs to be talking right now. Oh, man. Oh, man. Well, this has been great, my dear. Shereen Nicole, everybody. Please make sure you follow her. She's an amazing personality. We're going to call it what it is. Slash producer and all that good stuff. (laughs) Shereen Nicole, everybody. Thank you so much. Sean, it is my pleasure and I'm honored. What's up, everybody? My name is Sharina Cole, and I'm a segment producer for Sister Circle Live. I'm also a media personality, and I am a cool soror of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Big